This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And uh, today I have really a great pleasure and honor to speak to Dr. Ting Yang Shi and Dr. Rongyu Zhang, who are the primary and last authors of the secondary side reduction followed by chemotherapy versus chemotherapy alone in platinum-sensitive relapsed ovarian cancer, SOC1, a multi-center, open-label, randomized phase 3 trial that was recently published in Lancet Oncology in 2021. So certainly, it is a pleasure to have them both there in the Department of Gynecologic Oncology at Songjiang Hospital in Fudan University in Shanghai, China. So welcome, both of you, to the podcast I, uh, I wanted Thanks. to start by asking you, um, the first question, obviously, is that, 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 you know, certainly there's currently a very important topic. This is a, a really relevant contribution to the field of gynecologic oncology, as this is part of a, of a trilogy addressing the topic of recurrent ovarian cancer. So my first question is, uh, why did you consider performing this study rather than uh, joining in collaboration with uh, GOG 213 or the desktop three uh, groups. Thank you for your comments and the question. Uh, actually, uh, four centers from uh, Shanghai GOG had participated in desktop three trial, and there are 12 patients enrolled uh, between 2000. And 2014, but uh, no patients crossed between the SOC1 trial and the desktop 3 trial. As for the uh, GOG 213, 213 trial, we plan to participate, but uh, finally we uh, failed to participate because the uh, drug, uh, trial drug of bevacizumab was not allowed to transport into China. Mm. When we look back to the uh, history of the second trial, the first protocol was approved by a local health committee in 2006 because we have published the uh, pr prospective single-arm trial of secondary cytoreductive surgery for platinum sensitive recurrent ovarian cancer. So we have our own ideas to understand the rule of secondary cytoreductive surgery, which is a little different with the trial from Doctors Coleman and Doctors Dubois. Mm -hmm. I, I have talked with uh, Dubois in person in 2009. Uh, actually, uh, conducting those uh, three such trials were much difficult than uh, drug trials. Mm -hmm. So now I believe the uh, worldwide gynecologic oncologist may, be, may feel lucky that we have uh, three trials mm -hmm. with different stories. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely, yes. So then, then obviously then the next question um, comes from with regards to the eligibility criteria for SOC1, uh, wondering if you could just uh, give us some details as to who were the uh, patients that were included in the study. 
thank you, Professor Ramze. So I'll take this question. Um, so um, the major inclusion criteria of top one trial included women aged uh, 18 years and older um, and patients with platinum sensitive first relapsed epithelial ovarian primary um, peritonia or Philippine tube cancer, which is defined as those with treatment-free interval of six months or more. And also we evaluated a complete secondary cytoreduction predict, uh, predicting score, which is defined um, in, um, in the previous international model. We call it I-model. So if the I-model score no more than 4.7, then um, the patient will be included. And also, we um, we define that if PI or co-PI reached the consensus that recurrent disease detected by CT imaging could be completely resected, the index of BA125 could be scored as zero. So, um, all all the um, all the, the uh, and also we have to assess the, all the um, images and all the um, all the recurrent diseases that is assessed by the experienced surgeons. A complete resection of all recurrent diseases is possible. So I think that is the major inclusion criteria. Is that okay? Yes, and and I noticed you you mentioned the international model score or the I model score that now obviously has become very well known as a result of the study. I was wondering if you can tell our audience, what are the six variables that you look at in the um, I-model score? Yes. The, uh, as I mentioned, that I-model score came from an international respective study, um, and that is calculated by summing score allocated to six variables. The first one is the FIGO stage. If the figure stage one or two give a score of zero and stage three or four a score of 0.8. And the second variable is the residual disease after primary surgery. Uh, if the, there's complete resection with no gross residual disease, give a score of zero. And any gross disease, uh, residual disease, uh, we just give a score of 1.5. The third one is the progression-free interval with no more than uh, no no less than sixteen months, give a score of zero, and uh, less than sixteen months, give a score of three point four. And the fourth one is the ECOG performance status with status of zero to one, give a score of zero, and status of two or three, give a score of two point four. The fifth variable is the serum level of CA125 at recurrence with no more than 105 units of millimeter, give a score of zero, and uh, more than 105 units millimeter, give a score of 1.8. The last one is the um, acide at recurrence with absence of acide, give a score of zero, and the presence of acide, give a score of 3.0. So in total, an I-model score of 4.7 or less out of 11.9 indicated a high probability of complete resection. 
So then, yeah, so then that brings me to the next question, which uh, uh, pertains to the amendments and the protocol amendments that were changed during the study. Um, and one of them is that um, you mentioned that a score of 4.7 or less was a, an ideal candidate uh, for surgery. But I noticed that also even in patients that had an eye model score of more than 4.7, a surgeon could still choose to do surgery on that patient. Can you tell us a little bit as to why uh, that was the case and, uh, and, and why was this done? Yeah, that's the key. Uh, that, that's very important question. Um, uh, if, if we uh, look back to the iModel score, actually at that time the PET-CD imaging was not used to detect the uh, replaced disease for the ovarian cancer at that time. I mean, mm -hmm. so um, but in SOC1 trial, uh, during the process of SOC1 trial, uh, actually we added PET-CT as a surrogate variable for CA125 in patients with an original I-model score of more than 4.7. Mm. So all enrolled patients finally should have a total score of 4.7 or less, even after the correction by PET-CT images. Mm -hmm. So now... So, why PET-CT images? So, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, uh, why PET-CT added our concern is first, more and more evidence have shown that PET-CT was more sensitive to early detect suspected recurrent disease in the situation of rising uh, serum CA125 levels, negative or inconclusive CT or MR imaging. So it may be useful to help guiding the patient's selection of, of optimal surgical candidates. Mm -hmm. And the second one, uh, second reason, we performed a training set to explore the feasibility of this trial. All PET-CT imaging were assessed by two experienced independent nuclear medicine clinicians who were blinded to treatment assignments. Disagreements was uh, solved uh, by discussion between the two clinicians. An assessment of the efficiency of PET-CT imaging in detecting relapses was, was done when the first 100 patients enrolled it including those of training set. Mm -hmm. The fourth uh, positive rate was only 1.9%. So the iModel score combined with PET-CT imaging seems to work better in the selection of uh, surgical candidates. So, uh, and also the SOC1 trial will further provide solid uh, evidence. We, 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 we hope that is solid evidence on the, on the application of PET-CT imaging in recurrent settings. Yeah, Thank really you. very, very relevant and, uh, and uh, very critical and important, uh, particularly in the recurrent setting, uh, which also then brings me to the next question as you're speaking about imaging. Um, was the use of the type of imaging the same in both groups? Uh, in other words, as you were following these patients, was the type of imaging the same uh, routinely in both groups? Yeah, um, the protocol defines... In the protocol, we define that uh, physical examination, serum of BA125 assessment, and the uh, uh, radiologic, radiological imaging, uh, usually we use the ultrasound, were done during a routine follow-up visit. If a suspected progression of disease, a subsequent CT or MR or PET CT imaging was done, the uh, radiological 
images were assessed by an independent radiologist in each center who was masked to treatment assignments. In the surgical open label trial, the follow-up was hard to be uh, balanced between the arms. Uh, That's one of the reasons why it is challenging for uh, progression-free survival only to be the primary endpoint. And also we, we need to add the uh, time to first uh, subsequent tre- uh, treatment or time to subsequent uh, uh, second subsequent uh, 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 second subsequent treatment mm-hmm. or PFS two or over survival are always necessary as the sup- uh, supplement of progression free survival. Thank you. Very well. So then, um, you know, as you know, when the trial has been uh, discussed and uh, um, there have been discussions. Uh, one of the points that always seems to come up was the the crossover rate, and uh, and I think that uh, there was a crossover from the no surgery to the surgery group of about thirty seven percent that was either decided by the surgeon or the patients. Um, why do you think this was the case? Yeah, that that's the key of this trial, and that's the biggest uh, difference with. Desktop 3 and uh, uh, GOT-123, uh, 12013. Mm-hmm. So, uh, actually, in SOC1, the protocol allowed a subsequent surgery. At that, the time point of data lock on December 2019, in no surgery group, uh, 6% of patients received surgery during the randomized treatment. That, be, that means the, the assignment treatment. While 37 percent of patients received surgery at subsequent relapse. Why this happened? The reason came from those doctors who thought, who thought that patients could benefit from surgery. And also, um, the, the, the second reason might be from the patient's choice with strong waiting for surgery. Um, before randomization, each patient, in one, each patient had been asked for her, for her performance to the, the treatment. In China, actually, nearly half of patients prefer surgery compared to 13% preferring no surgery mm. and around uh, um, 25% with no specific prefer- pre- uh, preference. So some patients just strongly asked for surgery from the doctors uh, who were not participate in one trial. So patients had the choice to select the, the patients or centers. Mm-hmm. So actually... Uh, a lot of patients they they choose surgery um, after randomization, just uh, not in the um, in the four centers of SOC one. Mm-hmm. The investigators have been aware of the this issue at the beginning of SOC one. So the first version of statistical uh, analysis plan estimated that approximately ten percent of patients in no surgery group could would receive the unplanned surgery for any reason. However, the crossover rate increased rapidly during the process of this uh, trial. Uh, that is a big big challenge for our harmonization. So in the third meeting of data monitoring uh, committee in 2016, the committee members emphasized this issue and provided a series of solutions. They suggested that there would be a huge bias if over-survival benefit was analyzed by standard ITT or PP analysis. Mm-hmm. An audit report was presented in, independently by the third party. Uh, they also 
made the following agreement first using ICW, uh, that is a very a traditional um, statistical analysis or other statistical method, or we can establish uh, some uh, mathematic model to adjust over survival and avoid bias from crossover. Second, adding some uh, several pre-specified pre uh, subgroup or sensitivity analysis in the study, such as excluding those patients who crossed before or within the randomized treatment, uh, excluding the single center with the highest rate of crossover. Uh, actually, as we showed that the, some single uh, center just have the very high um, rate of crossover. So in 2019, uh, DMC man, uh, meeting also approved the agreement adding PFS or TFSA as primary endpoint and the secondary uh, endpoint, respectively, and that that of um, pre-specified sensitive analysis. Thank you. Yeah, so actually that answers uh, one of the questions that I also had regarding that progression, free survival becoming the, the primary endpoint. And then that brings me also to another question regarding uh, the patient population. Um, you also included patients who were on another trial called the SUNY trial. Um, what was that trial, and uh, and why were these patients also included in the SOC1 uh, study? Yeah, um, the uh, SUNY trial is a study of upfront uh, surgery or new adjuvant chemotherapy, uh, chemotherapy followed by interval departing surgery in first-line uh, therapy of advanced ovarian cancer. The SUNY trial does not uh, pro uh, prohibit patients from joining other uh, trials, just need a stratification of primary uh, debulking surgery versus uh, interval debulking surgery in the next line of trials. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. So then another point that, as you know, has been brought up in particularly when comparing to GOG-213 was the use of uh, bevacizumab. 8% of patients in the surgery arm and 11% in the non-surgery arm received uh, bevacizumab uh, maintenance therapy. Now, do, do you think that the low proportion of patients receiving bevacizumab impacted the findings in your study? Um, and and how does this how does this now translate to your current practice as it pertains to bevacizumab use? <laughs> uh, sorry, I I don't think so actually. Uh, until now, the benefits of bevacizumab after secondary cycle reduction were not well determined. The result of GUD one uh, to thirteen should not be taken as a powerful evidence. For the patients in the surgery group, the decision map uh, increased over survival from uh, 32.4 to 58.5 months, while in no surgery group, no difference in over survival was observed between the subgroup of bevacizumab and uh, without bevacizumab. And it seems that uh, no bevacizumab had slightly longer survival than with bevacizumab. So it is certain whether the application of bevacizumab or other maintenance targeting therapy could cover uh, up the the effects of surgery. So um, it will it will be meaningful to 
mobilize different countries or regions in which bevacizumab was approved or not approved as a standard of care in organ cancer to do international trials in together to and uh, to share the uh, outcomes. So. So That's then, what we want to do. Yeah, yeah and, and then that brings us uh, to another point with regards to the subsequent treatment of these patients. Um, what, what do you consider is the impact of the use of PARP inhibitors in this patient population, and how would this uh, impact results from, from a study like this? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, in SOC1, no more than 15% of patients received PARP inhibitor. It was not a high proportion in our trial, so we have no enough evidence to say what or how PARP, in, uh, PARP inhibitor therapy could impact on our results. But let's take the example of SOC1 tri- uh, solo one trial, actually. In, that is in the first-line therapy. Complete resection followed by PARP inhibitor um, provided a much longer PFS than incomplete resection in ovarian cancer patients with BRAC mutations. Mm -hmm. It is reasonable to suspect that complete resection combined with PARP inhibitor might result in a better survival in recurrent settings. However, um, so um, therefore we initiated a subsequently surgical uh, trial, SOC3, that is incorporated PARP inhibitors would help to answer this question. Um, the idea was that patients could uh, benefit more from a combination of complete resection and uh, pop inhibitor. So then now, yes. Yeah, so then now, obviously, we want to get to another important point. Um, the SOC1 trial showed that secondary cytoreduction reduction followed by chemotherapy was associated with a longer progression-free survival than chemotherapy alone in platinum-sensitive relapsed ovarian cancer. But so far. There is no difference in overall survival. What are, what are your thoughts pertaining to this finding? Yeah, a mature overall survival still need uh, at least two uh, and a half years uh, of follow-up period in SOC1. Considering a high proportion of uh, crossover, we proposed uh, accumulating treatment-free survival and adjust uh, overall survival as important uh, secondary endpoints in our protocol. In the appendix, we present the uh, interim analysis of TFSA, that is the uh, uh, accumulating treatment-free survival. Although without the statistical analysis, patients seem to have a longer-term, uh, long-term survival with better quality of life in surgery group compared with no surgery. For those patients with more than four years of TFSA in no surgery group, more than 50% of patients were crossovers. We suspect that some selected patients might still benefit from surgery at the second uh, at the second relapse, and that's why we initiated the uh, phase two SOC three trial. Yeah. So, if you were to say to the audience, the the most important difference between the SOC one trial and the desktop three or GOG two thirteen is what? What would you say is the what makes the SOC one trial? different from the others? Yeah, the um, the selection criteria is quite different among these three trials. GUG213 did not give definitely selection criteria since most of patients enrolled in GUG213 had only one or two recurrent sites. We, suspect, uh, we suppose that uh, their pop, uh, population was the narrowest of these three power trials. And desktop 3 used the 
other uh, positive criteria. And SOX1 used an international model and model score corrected by PET-CT imaging as a criteria. The iModel had a wider study population than agro-positive uh, score, defined as agro, uh, which, which means uh, SOX1 might include more recurrent candidates for secondary cycle reduction. And selection criteria is quite important to uh, predict possible com- complete resection, given the content in the correction of the uh, uh, survival, uh, survival benefits with complete resection, different selection criteria might lead to the different surgical outcome and for sure maybe uh, led to the different result of the trial. So I think, I think that's the difference. Yeah. So then now moving beyond the, uh, the, the initial, obviously the, the, the intervention at the time of recurrence, um, many wonder what about the second recurrence? Was there any difference in terms of the patterns of second recurrence in these two groups, the patients that had surgery versus the patients that were just treated with chemotherapy? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, Professor, that's, uh, that's an important issue. We have pay atten- paid attention to the paper on IGCS, the IG, uh, IJGC from uh, Seoul National University Hospital in 2020, mm-hmm. which, de- uh, design, uh, which described the recurrent pattern after map treatment at the first relapse uh, in ovarian cancer. We have also re- recorded the data of seven uh, relapsed pattern in our CRS system. However, it was not the pre-specified analysis of progression-free survival and over-survival, uh, whereas we can do post-hoc analysis in the final over-survival data. So this then um, brings another question that uh, it's a group of uh, ovarian cancer patients that often is not addressed, uh, and particularly generally because of the low numbers of these number of patients. But um, I wanted to hear your thoughts as it pertains to low-grade ovarian cancer in the recurrent setting. Um, Was there any uh, subset analysis in the SOC1? Uh, Overall, what are your thoughts with regards to these findings for low-grade patients? Yeah, uh, I think low-grade disease has uh, has been loaded in all these three trials. However, in SOC1, none of enrolled patients were diagnosed with uh, low-grade organ cancer. But as we know, a few uh, cases of low-grade, low-grade disease uh, enrolled in desktop 3. Uh, to my knowledge, surgery is recommended for recurrence of low-grade disease. And in some cases with specific uh, genetic mutations, targeted therapy could be proposed. So I can't give you more um, comments. Yes. About so, yeah. so one question I always ask uh, the, the authors of the studies uh, is how does, how does this impact your practice? So in your hospital, in your practice, a patient comes in with platinum sensitive recurrent disease today. Um, how do you approach the management of that patient? Yeah, for, for platinum sensitive recurrent ovarian cancer patients, uh, I, I think um, the, the best uh, adjuvant care should be the um, first we have to evaluate the patients, so the right patient and the right center. 
in our center, we have to evaluate it before uh, before the the uh, we uh, we uh, initiated the the management. So um, as I mentioned, that I model combined with CT imaging should be used to uh, select the patients to select the right patients that probably uh, got the benefits from surgical uh, surgery. So. Uh, if the patient got the complete resection, and I think the best adjuvant care should be platinum-based chemotherapy followed by pop inhibitor maintenance. And indirect evidence in solo solo one trial showed that complete resection followed by pop inhibitor provided much longer PFS than incomplete resection in ovarian cancer patients in the first line therapy. So we believe that surgery is the is a cornerstone of therapy compared with um, targeting therapy. The complete resection by surgery is the, bio, uh, is the basis for long-term disease-free survival. We will show the data of these patients in our final over-survival. We also designed a series of clinical trials we called surgery and the targeting therapy. Uh, that is, we call it a SAT trial series. Mm -hmm. uh, to further explore what or how was the benefit from the complete resection and the targeting therapy in both primary and recurrent studies. Thank you. And, and uh, one additional question as it comes to the evaluation of that patient at the recurrent setting as you, as you were discussing uh, the surgery being uh, critical. Um, you mentioned certainly also the uh, help of PET-CT. Um, in your practice today, do you uh, routinely or ever use laparoscopy to evaluate whether that patient is an ideal candidate for surgery? Uh, uh, yeah, that's the that's the good question. Actually, we we it's not the routine for us to use the laparoscopy for the, for the uh, ovarian cancer, but the CT. Scanning is uh, quite uh, actually in our center is the routine because um, CT I think can give more um, uh, supplements for uh, supplements uh, give give accurate um, supplement uh, give a su supplements for the I model score uh, which we can evaluate the patients who can real benefit from the secondary cycle reduction. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah. No, I think it's it's a, it's an interesting uh, point and an interesting question because certainly we use it in the uh, in the upfront setting, uh, and, and and certainly we wanted to hear your opinion about the uh, the use uh, in the in the recurrent setting. So. Uh, um, we're we're now coming to the conclusion of the podcast. It's been really great and informative to to speak to to both of you. Uh, we're really looking forward to the overall survival outcomes of of the study. Um, but I wanted to uh, also see if you had any uh, closing uh, statements you wanted to make, uh, Ting Yang or, or Professor Zhang, uh, before we close the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I uh, thank you very much for your time and thank you for the chance. Mm -hmm. Hope uh, to see you in next, uh, probably in Shanghai. <laughs> I hope you, you can visit us next time. Okay.
I'd love to. I would love to visit soon. And, uh, and certainly, once again, uh, I have uh, learned a great deal. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, you and your team should be incredibly proud of having uh, completed already this phase of the, of the study and publishing it in Lancet Oncology. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you again.